Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 67 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and in this week's episode, we're going to be discussing the term hike your own hike and what it means for us both on and off the trail. Over the past few years, the term hike your own hike has become much more common within the community, particularly in the long distance hiking community. But what does it actually mean? Put simply, uh, basically it means that you should hike or bushwalk, whichever term you want to use, in the way that you enjoy and not try to follow someone else's plan. In practice, any hike that involves more than one person will involve a degree of compromise, and at some point you need to decide whether this is acceptable or whether you need to change the way or, or, the, or who you hike with. Now let's look at the different options for hiking and what this means in practice. No matter what hiking style that you have, there are advantages and disadvantages to the way you hike. The first one we're going to look at is solo hiking. Now, solo hiking is great for those that like the solitude. And basically, the advantages with solo hiking is you can start and stop hiking when you want to, and you don't have to wait for anyone. You get to make all the decisions. You can walk at your own pace, whatever that happens to be. And from a personal perspective, when I solo hike, I get into what I can only class as the zone and I'm comfortable starting early in the day, finishing early enough that I have time to go through and cook and set up a tent before it gets dark. Um, And I just feel like that I I can just keep on going uh, uh, as long as I really need to. As a generalization, solo hikers are usually quieter than a group will be. So this means you'll often see more wildlife. And usually if you are camping by yourself, um, there's no other restless sleeper uh, sleeping next to you to disturb you. I don't think it's so much the restless sleeper, it's the snoring sleeper (laughs) is the disturbing bit. I don't hear any of those. (laughs) There are also disadvantages to hiking solo. And one of those happens to be there is no one to share those special moments with. If something goes wrong, you're it and you've got to get yourself out of this, whatever situation you're in. There's no one to share the load with. When you're hiking with somebody else, you can often break down how you carry things and spread the load a bit. Um, there's also no one to keep you warm at night if you're a couple. Assuming you're a couple. Assuming you're a couple. <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, and you may not have the mental stamina for long periods to hike by yourself. And I think for a lot of people, hiking you know, for a day normally doesn't worry people too much. But when you think about hiking for multiple days or even multiple weeks, um, if you're by yourself, you may not be able to cope with your own company for that length of time. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, And I I, I don't mind going for a a short hike, um, not an overnight hike, but uh, something like a day hike by myself. Um, I'm not a fan of overnight hiking or solo hiking for long periods. I do like my own company, though, um, and I get on pretty well with myself when I'm alone, Tim. (laughs) 
So the next thing we're going to look at is uh, couples or pair hiking. Um, hiking with a friend or significant other other uh, can mean that you get to share some of the best moments, um, both on the trail as well as um, part of a relationship or, or the friendship that you have. Um, and like me, uh, you may not want to hike alone, so um, I insist that... Uh, Tim hikes with me, or I think more often it's he insists that I hike with him. Um, we do have some rules along the way, though. Um, one of them is that we stay within sight of each other, particularly on a, a multi-day hike. Um, sometimes you don't want to be um, or can't be side by side the whole way, um, but one of our rules is that we keep sight of each other, and that means Depending on the terrain, you might be quite close um, if you're in closed um, bushland or quite far apart if it, you're in um, an open grassland area. Um, what it means is that we get to choose. Sometimes hikers decide uh, when they're hiking as couples or hiking in pairs um, that they won't stay together for the whole day. They'll meet up at certain points and we've certainly um, met a few people um, on the trail who do that. Um, the thing though is that if you're hiking as a small group and in, or in pairs, um, you need to have some rules and you need to stick to your rules. So how close do you stay to each other? Uh, when do you meet up? If you're not walking together, what happens? If there's some confusion on the trail, uh, particularly concerning which part of the trail to take, and what happens if you get lost? So there are all sorts of things you need to work out in advance um, if you're not going to be sticking uh, side by side or f one foot after another um, on the trail. Some of the advantages of hiking with someone else, uh, and this I think for me is an important one, you get to share the joy. Uh, so we still share experiences that we've had on trips that are many, many years ago and I think probably getting into decades ago. Um, we can share the load. So that means that we can, for example, split a two-person tent um, and our stove between the two of us, which means uh, we are lightening up um, the load, evening out the load for each person. I think the other thing as well, if you're hiking as individual hikers, um, two friends or even by yourself, you're going to have a first aid kit of some sort. If you're hiking um, as two friends or as a couple, you can you can agree that one of you will carry the first aid kit. And as Jill said, one might carry the tent, one might carry the stove. You can split that gear up and help to lighten things up. Yeah, we, we tend to split the tent up too. So Tim carries the tent and I carry the poles and I also carry the first aid kit. Not sure if there's a message in that, Tim. <laughs> um, so if you're hiking with your, your tent partner, um, you can also um, then split the tent chores in terms of putting the, the tent up and so on. Uh, and, of course, there's someone there to help if things go wrong um, as well as someone to cheer you up when you have bad days. And um, believe me, when you've done multiple days, um, Everyone will have a da bad day at some point. Um, I'm I'm a little bit of a um, midway crisis person, so I have to get over the hump. And uh, as I approach the hump, I get a bit grumpy. As I get over the hump of uh, the middle of the trip, I start to lighten up a bit. Um, 
Tim, I think, leaves his grumpy days to a little bit later in the trip for some reason. I'm not quite sure. They haven't worked that one out yet. <laughs> and, of course, the last thing is um, there's someone to talk to, assuming that you want to talk to someone. Now, Jill mentioned here about splitting, splitting the chores up when you get to camp. And typically when we're hiking together, um, one of us uh, will put the tent up and the other one will start cooking. Uh, and it really depends on, uh, to some degree, what the weather conditions are like. If you're in a fairly open sort of area and, and it's very windy, having that second person to help you put the tent up can be quite helpful. There's nothing worse than in a, in a, in a gale force sort of wind um, trying to get a tent put up uh, it, you know it might well stay put up once it's actually pegged in and, and set up properly but you've got to get it to that point in the first place you know tim i'm not so sure that while i'm putting the tent up you're actually cooking dinner i think you're more seeking out people to talk to <laughs> that's splitting the drawers yeah yeah <laughs> okay some of the disadvantages, uh, if you're hiking together, rather than same day, same trail, then the slowest person will need to set the pace so you, you stay together. Um, we're not sure why, and Tim thinks there might be some scientific reason for this, but when he and I hike together, he doesn't have a lot of energy. Um, I'm not quite sure what he means uh, by that, but I think it might be something about me sucking the life out of him or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things that I've noticed that I'm, when I hike with myself, I, I am really supremely focused on what I'm doing and what's happening with the trail and where I am. And I think I, I think I just, I am so focused. I just don't tend to think about whether I'm tired or not. It's just I'm looking at the trail, I'm looking where I'm going, uh, and I just don't put any thought into I'm tired. Whereas I think when I'm following behind Jill, which is usually the way when we're hiking together, otherwise I tend to sort of stride off and forget she's behind me. I think that I just uh, I have time more time to think about oh I am tired and 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 uh, I don't know I just feel like I'm I don't have as much energy so I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Yeah, I don't know either, Tim. But I think when you're by yourself, maybe you're just a bit too self-absorbed, and I don't let you get self-absorbed. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Now this might sound like a, a, a funny one, but one of the disadvantages is is that when you are hiking with someone else, you do tend to focus on them and you do tend to start worrying about them and making sure that they're okay. Um, and you know sometimes you don't need to, um, but you might just be a little bit more aware of them than than you would normally be. The other thing to think about is how well you get on with just. Um, one other person and you know you, sometimes you need to be quite close to someone to to make sure that this is actually going to be okay before you set off on a two-week trip. I know when um, we went to Kangaroo Island um, with Kelly earlier in the year and that was uh, five days um, worth of hiking she was a bit concerned about us spending that amount of time uh, together. We'd been friends for a long time, but we probably haven't spent hadn't spent that many days together. And um, you know, I assured it be I assured her it'd be okay. She had her own tent. Um, we didn't have to talk to each other on the trail. And in the end, it actually worked out really, really well, including the the travel time there. Um, the time we were hiking as well as the travel time back. 
And I think that's the thing with when you hike and hike it uh, in a in a pair, whether you be a couple or just a group of uh, just two friends, um, that. Um, Sometimes people just feel that they have to fill the silence and there must be something wrong if you aren't talking. So for us, when we hike, um, we'll talk, uh, we'll argue occasionally, um, but you know, sometimes we won't talk. You know, it's just like we're just happy being with each other and happy walking. Uh, and we, we had a funny comment made to us uh, uh, by some <laughs> non-hiking friends uh, about a year or so ago is, what do you talk about when you're on a two-week hike? <laughs> um, and it's it's like, you know, don't you know? It's 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 just like you're a, if you're a couple that you can't possibly talk to each other for for two weeks because you can't have that much to say. So it's it's one of those things that don't feel like you have to talk. And but if you want to, that's fine. But you know, there's nothing wrong with just having a bit of quiet and a bit of solitude. Now. Hiking in a group is um, taking us to the next level from hiking as a couple. Uh, and I must admit, I'll, I'll own up up front here, I'm not a fan of group hiking. Um, and for me, it's probably because I tend to have a unrealistic expectation that I need to look after people. Um, I've been in situations in the past where I've taken groups out uh, and... I've been the one in charge, and I just tend to feel that way. Whether whether people need that or not, whether they're as experienced or even more experienced than I am, I think, you know, particularly if I've been the one organizing the trip, I feel like I've got to make sure everyone's okay and they're having a good time. No, I don't think it's that at all, Tim. You're just antisocial. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. When we first started doing long-distance hikes, we started, like a lot of other people, on doing commercially organized trips. And we learnt the hard way that groups just aren't for us. Having said that, it really is a personal choice and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. So there are advantages. If you get bored with one other person, there's usually a number of other people you can go and have a chat to. So it's not so much you have to get on extremely well with one other person. It's you can get on a well, uh, reasonably well with a group. You can certainly minimise the group gear. So there's no need to have lots of stoves or lots of water filters. You can share. There's safety in numbers, uh, and the recommended group number for hiking is four. And this is this is doesn't really take into account solo hiking or other options in hiking. But the the argument behind having four people is if if someone injures themselves, uh, one other person can stay with them, and two people can walk out and get help if it's necessary. These days, in day uh, when you've got personal locator beacons, it's not so critical. Um, as it used to be when you had no choice and you're in the middle of nowhere. And I think that four person in a group is one of those sort of things where it assumes that only one person is ever going to have an accident at one time. I mean, what do you do if two people are injured? Uh, so let's say, for instance, you're walking down a very rocky trail and the trail gives way. I haven't heard of it happening, at least in Australia, but I'm sure it's possible. Uh, and two people are injured. You know, you can't leave just one person there to look after the two of them and then send one person out by yourself. So it's, 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 you've got to try and make do with the situation you've got. And again, in the, in the days now where we have personal locator beacons, this tends to change that perspective. And again, there's nothing wrong with hiking, you know, in three or five or six or, or even one person groups. The last one that it's probably worthwhile thinking of in large groups is you can share um, more so um, the group 
but chores, if you like. And I've seen large groups of people, you know, people sort of six and eight in a group hiking together. Uh, and some people are being taken responsibility for doing the cooking. Other people have responsibility for filtering the water. Other people look after the snacks. Um, and, you know, and someone might be carrying the first aid equipment and the safety equipment. So you can really um, give people chores, if you like, rather than having one person just being reliant. I think the other thing with groups as well is everyone b- brings their own skill set um, to a hike. Uh, and, you know, in one of those things when you talk about group think, the, the sum of the individual parts tend to be greater than the, uh, the individual components that go to make it up. There are, however, disadvantages to hiking in groups, and some of them we've already mentioned. As a generalisation, the bigger the group, the slower the pace. And as I said, it is a generalisation, but from what I've seen on the trail, big groups do tend to travel slower because there are often more people wanting to stop and take breaks. Um, And again, you always tend to wait for the slowest person. Uh, You can be lucky and have a group that's all very fit and active and moving quite fast, um, but it's not necessarily going to be always the case. The group dynamics want to be very good. You want to have a group that gets on well together hikes in a similar manner, uh, and has similar likes and dislikes. I mean, if you don't like people that are hiking you know, with you, you can actually go off and talk to one of the others in the group. But if if you happen to be the odd one out and everybody else doesn't like you, that's a bit of a problem. <laughs> so how does that go for you, Tim? <laughs> I don't know. I don't hike in groups. Um, groups, uh, again, this is a generalisation the bigger the group, the more noise you're going to make. You know, even if you're being very quiet, just having five or six individuals trying to be quiet as opposed to one will be noisier than just one or two people travelling together. Having said that, though, I mean, you know, one of the issues I'm raising here is larger groups will often scare wildlife away. Uh, but when we did the overland track in Tasmania, um, Jill and I were travelling as a as a pair. There are other people travelling by themselves. There are other people people travelling in big groups. We didn't see any snakes in six days. Every, <laughs> ev- everybody else on the track saw snakes crawling in front of them or crawling, following and following along in front of them. We saw nothing. So obviously, we we as a pair were obviously making a bit too much noise. Um, the other issue is that um, large groups at night will also impact on a quiet sleep. Now, the one of the things I'll raise here is Jill and I aren't fan of of, of sleeping in huts, only because you snore. <laughs> I snore, and I'll be honest, I, I I snore, and I worry about keeping other people awake. Oh, you don't, um, you don't. I worry about you keeping other people awake and worrying about someone coming up and stabbing you with something in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, I do think about it. I might get a good night's sleep, but I do worry about it. Um, and the other thing is as well is, you know, I my preference is to have dinner. Once it's dark, I tend to go to bed uh, and I'll wake up and start hiking even just on pre-dawn as, as soon as there's just enough light. I don't tend to start to wait until it's sort of nine or ten, you know, eight or nine o'clock in the morning to start hiking. So I prefer to go to bed early and get an early rise, where a lot of other people tend to be the opposite. They'll talk late into the night uh, and then um, um, have a bit of a sleep in the morning. Um, The need for a group consensus regarding when, when and how you hike. Um, You might say, well, okay, we're going to stop, or you might want to stop at this particular location uh, at the end of the day where others might want to go on. Uh, And the other issue with larger groups, you need to have a larger 
camping site at the end of the day. Now, this is not a problem on tracks like the Overland Track or uh, even Larapinta or um, uh, um, the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail, where in most cases you can fit a number of tents in, a, in, a, in an area that might have to be slightly spread out, but you'll manage it. Whereas if you're in a fairly remote uh, wilderness area, you might find that you might only have room for one or two tents, and then the other tents might have to be 20 or 30 or 40 metres away. So um, the bigger groups just have more logistic issues. Now, really, as a final word on this, um, the main thing to remember is when you're out hiking on some grand adventure, it doesn't matter what group size you're traveling in, whether it's small or large, it's you're there to have a good time. Don't let yourself be talked into something that's not you. And don't try and talk others into something that you may necessarily want to do, but no one else is interested in as well. So if this means hiking by yourself, go for it. But also, alternatively, if it means you like hiking in a group, you get on well with people, and um, you you see the benefits of hiking as a, a couple or as a group, again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So what it comes down to is hike your own hike. If you do find a hiking partner a spouse or a friend that you just seem to click with, then hang on to them uh, because they're going to be rare. Um, what I'd also say in this respect as well is don't necessarily try and force your non-hiking spouse to come hiking with you. Is that right, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> um, it might be something they enjoy, but I mean, some in, in some instances, so in the case of my upcoming Bibbleman track hike, Jill doesn't want to spend five weeks hiking a thousand kilometers, uh, whereas I'm, I'm quite happy to. And so in this case, I'm definitely hiking my own hike. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? I, I think the short version of all of this is, you know, uh, find out what works for you, what makes you happy and do that. Um, there's a bit of an, an analogy to live your own life, run your own race, um, but also hike your own hike. Now for the next of our semi-regular segments, in this case we're looking at hiker questions. Over the last couple of months we've had a couple of questions relating to wet weather gear and layering and we've saved them up for this month's episode. Uh, Austin recently asked about wet weather pants for hiking in relation to the upcoming Overland track, a trip that he had planned, uh, and he just wanted to know whether we'd actually recommend taking them on a trip like this. Now, I'm a big fan of wet weather gear, both pants and top included. Uh, and for me, I tend to hike in long pants. It's been a long time since I've hiked just in shorts. Uh, and I prefer not to have wet soaking pants, particularly when a lot of my hiking is in areas that gets quite cold and chilly at night and I need that warmth. So as I said, not everyone likes the idea of rain pants. Uh, but from my perspective, on short trips, I will carry them when there is a good chance of rain, uh, not just a, it might possibly rain during the daytime, uh, along with a jacket. And on long trips, I'll carry them as a matter of course, unless I'm hiking in a climate where there's absolutely no chance of rain. But certainly in Australia, that's probably not as common. Rain pants and a rain jacket also form part of a layering system for me. So again, during the colder months, it definitely is something that I do tend to carry. So in relation to that question, I definitely would recommend carrying wet weather pants as well as a wet weather jacket on the uh, overland track. 
Adrian asked about how do you tell the correct size for wet weather jacket? And this is often a hard one. Um, I mean, it's one thing to say, and, and this is something that women will often know fairly well, it's one thing to say I'm a size 14 or I'm an extra large or whatever the case may be in, in, in any particular sizing, um, but it's really going to depend on the brand in some respects. So typically for me, I will buy, you know, if I'm talking about wet weather gear, I tend to buy extra large in both uh, in the jacket and quite often it'll be double extra large in the in the pants, but that depends on the brand. Uh, and in relation to jackets, it's probably the same response as if you were going into a shop and buying a work or a, a, a casual jacket for wearing out. And basically, if you put it on, the easy way to think about this is you should be able to cross your uh, um, uh, arms in front of you. If you can't do that, um, it means that the jacket's likely to be a bit too small. And the other thing is because we wear our wet weather gear, um, sometimes when it's not raining um, as an extra warmth layer, you also need to be able to have the layers um, underneath uh, so that you can make sure you do get the right size. Um, for women's uh, sizes in jackets and in wet weather pants, um, it varies often. There isn't a women's option and you just have to size them up and try on a couple of different ones and work out what, what suits um so, yeah, I think, Tim, right, you, you're right. Make sure you've got your layers underneath and make sure you can cross your arms. When you are buying pants, though, you do need to be able to squat without ripping the backside out of your pants. Adrian also asked about the appropriate top for hiking. And, again, he was relatively new to hiking uh, and wanted to uh, work out what he should be wearing. He he thought that a flannelette shirt was probably out, which is, I must admit, I it's been a while since I've seen someone wear a flannelette shirt at any time, let alone, on, let alone hiking. Uh, but certainly it was reasonably common a number of years ago. Um, uh, and he suggested that he was thinking of some sort of thermal top. And really, that's I'd probably suggest that. Um, my personal preference, again, and this is purely personal preference, is I like to wear long sleeve tops. Um, I've been used to working outside for a lot of my life, uh, and certainly in the industries I've been working in, they are very specific about um, having uh, appropriate occupational health and safety equipment, and that these days that typically includes a long sleeve shirt. Um, I'm from a generation that really didn't worry too much about skin cancer, uh, and it's it's something I'm thinking very consciously about more so these days. So again, this forms part of your layering option, and we talked about layering in episode 28, layering for comfort. So what sort of top you wear is going to depend on, again, how well you feel the cold. As I said, I've worked outside most of my life, and I have a reasonably good tolerance for cold. Um, but not everyone's going to be the same. So choose something that really is suitable for you, for your own cold tolerances. And you've also got a choice of synthetic or natural fibres um, as well. So um, everyone has a preference. Uh, just take a look, try some things on, um, and see what's going to work for you. Okay, so that's the last of our questions for today's episode. If you do have any questions that you would like us to answer, please don't hesitate to email or message them in. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and it's provided some useful tips for you. Our next regular episode will be released in two weeks' time 
and in that episode we'll be discussing weather on the trail. This is a topic that affects all of us on every hike we do and no matter what time of the year. So we need to pay attention to make sure that we A, have an enjoyable hike and B, have a safe hike. So as I said, that'll be in two weeks' time. As always, you can listen to our podcasts through the Australian Hiker website, through Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you have the chance, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes to help get the message out there. That's all for this week. Bye for now. And bye from me.